Hey, how did that vampire get everyone sick? He was coughing on them. <laughs> hey, shh. Welcome back, everyone, to Not Another Needless Sequel, where we talk movies and propose unnecessary prequels, sequels, reboots, and remakes. I'm your host, Kane, and today I have with me my wife, Kelsey. I promised my friend that I would say hello to you today. Hello. Hello. Kelsey will be my co-host as we discuss 2007's I Am Legend. So what's the plot of this movie in your own words? This lady thought that she cured cancer and was healing people, which it ended up not. It ended up like mutating and causing like a deadly virus outbreak where basically all of civilization dies except for the lucky few who are immune. And it's an airborne as well as like zombie-like? I don't know how you want to describe it, but like if you get scratched or bit, you're infected. And this guy is just navigating the world with his dog, trying to capture what do they call those things? What do they call the zombie things? Well, we'll Vampire things? Specifically that. Peepers or... <laughs> peepers? I don't know what they call them. I wrote it yeah, down too. Yeah, go with too. peepers for now. I wrote it down. He's trying to capture peepers. Dark seekers. Dark seekers. That's what it is. And these people they call dark seekers. He's, he's trying to capture them to create a cure through science. And he ends up capturing the wrong one because he gets the alpha. <laughs> the wrong one. Hissed. He's successful, but dies as mm. a legend. Mm. So the movie is obviously it's based on a book, which looking into the book, there is kind of a lot of differences that. I mean, I never read the book, so I apologize for listeners who have read the book and are going to roast me alive for this. The things that I read about the book, I understand why they didn't make into the movie. It was too much. Now, growing up, seeing this movie back in 2007, I referred to them as zombies. I thought they were zombies. They're vampires, not yeah, zombies. because they only come out at night. Yes, but the book the goes into more of that. The book covers they can talk. They don't like garlic. They don't like religious symbols. And I think these things would have looked a little silly in this aspect of him in this city alone. I can't see him doing things like putting up crosses outside of his house, spreading garlic. Yeah. But so the movie starts off, I think, in a pretty cool way. I like when um, apocalyptic shows and movies do this thing. More recently, The Last of Us did it in the beginning of an episode where they show, you know, a newscast sitting around discussing what would eventually be their downfall. And the doctor is talking about how she has reversed the, I guess, cancer in people to make it help them. And I thought that was sort of interesting because how the cancer seems to help them is turning them into vampires, which nearly could be argued that that's better than what they are now. It just is not better for Humanity. the humans. Yes. And so I really like that. And of course, that rolls into a three-year time jump and you're seeing New York City. Obviously, New York City is always a great shot for movies to do where you're showing overgrown vegetation, just empty streets because... When you picture New York, you think absolutely full of people, just, you know, the hustle and bustle of city life. Yeah, well, I, going back to the beginning of that, because I have something to say about the virus, but I liked the beginning of the movie. I'll be the first one to say I didn't love this movie, and I'm sure you probably know that. I didn't love the movie. It wasn't my favorite movie, but the beginning where it was talking about like, oh, you know, Cleveland won the game tonight by one, whatever mm -hmm. it was, like the sports part, and then it cut to the lady, the woman at the health desk, 
which I thought was super captivating because I, I didn't know, I had seen this movie when I was younger, but I can only remember one part, which is why I had avoided it for so long because I don't do animal death in movies. But I think she asks the lady a question. So you have actually cured cancer? And she says, yes, 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 we have. And then it cuts to like the total like decimation of the city three years later. And I was like, mind blown. However, I do think like in it was mind blowing and like captivating for me because it shows that humans got in their own way of trying to cure cancer using a deadly virus. They used the measles, right, which kills people to try and alter it a little bit to cure cancer and then ultimately it mutated even further. So instead of killing people, it turned them into vampires because the virus was trying to find a way to survive. Oddly enough, in the book, they also discuss that there are some that go past a point of return where they no longer can control their hunger and they can't be brought back. And then there's other ones that talk. In the book, actually, somebody sneaks into his life, basically pretending to be a surviving human, and it's actually a vampire. Um, which I won't go too much into that. I just thought it was interesting that how different things like that are, but also the extent to which they show what the mutation has done. So when we're looking at New York City, they did close off streets to film a lot of this movie. And Will Smith said that due to the closed streets in New York City, a lot of times he would be out and about during filming or I guess in between takes, whatever. And he was just getting flipped off all the time. People were so mad. <laughs> I mean, I get it. You have this constant, routine of I'm going to work this is the street I walk uh you know the taxi can't go this way whatever and now it's blocked off for a movie you're gonna be pissed yeah for <laughs> so sure. he has profusely apologized about this in several different interviews and it's just hilarious to me they must have not kept his wife's name mm. out of their mouth oh god <laughs> Before all that, this was Will Smith's golden years where he was just in every movie for a little while there. So three years later, you know, like you said, New York City's absolutely decimated. He is hunting a deer. He's in a uh, a car. I don't, I don't remember the car. You know, it's, they show he's like in a brand new sports car. I mean, you figure he has his take of any car in the entire city. Right. And first of all, no fucking way are you hitting that shot where you're driving beside the deer and you're sticking your gun out the window. You're going fucking 90 miles an hour. You're going to hit this deer. Bullshit. He didn't. He didn't, but he was aiming. He didn't even shoot that time. But still, like, what are you thinking? Um, when they do finally find that deer and that lion comes out, I like, that's insane. I would not be living here. I get his whole, this is my site. There's lions here, dude. I, I actually thought that that scene was kind of humanizing to him. Mm -hmm. Because he didn't shoot or attack because he saw that there was like little cubs, little lion cubs. Yes. Because he was thinking about shooting that lion until he saw the little baby lions come out with the big lion. So I thought... That is a good scene. You're right for that reason. I liked that. And I don't know. I just thought that that was a way to still humanize him even in... I think you're right. So after the deer hunt, I mean, you're just kind of getting a taste for what Robert's life is like. Robert goes home and he's... You see his supplies. He's making dinner for him and Sam. Um, he's super meticulous with his supplies, which I think was an interesting way to do it because you'd have to be. You have to know exactly how much you have. And I mean, presumably, even though it's been three years, eventually he's not going to have food. 
and he's going to have to leave. Well, he he did show in part of New York that he had a garden. He did. But, you know, at some point you can't just be eating whatever you can grow. Winter's going to come around. So you see him take, like, a jar of sauce and he replaces it with another one. He has it very, like, every label's facing forward. So I assume he knows exactly how much he has of everything. Even later on, you see when he's scouting buildings, he has a map and he's crossed off buildings that he's gone to. But he's making food for him and Sam. You kind of see, again, just their routine of how they do things. And um, I don't know. I also thought at this point in the movie, I was still like, well, who is he? We didn't see him in the beginning. And then we saw him on the cover of Time magazine. So you're like, well, I guess he must be kind of important. But at this point, if you've never seen the movie, obviously I had, I knew who he was. But if you had never seen the movie, you're like, well, who the hell is this? Like, why am I watching him? Yeah, why is this one guy still here? What is he doing? And he's watching old reruns of the news. Yes, and that was something, I'll talk about this a few times as we go through the movie, but that's something I absolutely loved about this movie is the focus on what has become of him and his mind in this kind of environment. That's something I've talked about to you before about why I really loved The Walking Dead TV show because I don't think it's a show about zombies. It's a show about how people are reacting to this situation, how they're living in this situation. And you see that with him. He's watching these old TV shows because you need that. You need to have this routine of I'm still living a normal life. You need to hear other people talk. It cannot just be you talking to your dog and eventually we'll see your mannequins. You have to hear other things. You have to pretend there's some aspect of your life that's still normal. I also think that him talking to the dog made him feel more normal because like I won't lie I've talked to my dog before. I mean, everybody does. Like, everybody's talked to their dogs. Obviously, maybe not in that way, but him showering the dog and just having, like, a conversation broke my heart. I had to pause this movie several times because I cannot take the dog death. I just can't. I mean, we'll talk more about the dog and Will Smith a little later on. I did, I thought it was funny. He makes the dog the plate of food and the dog is pushing the vegetables around. He's like, nope, don't push your vegetables around. You need to eat them. Yeah. (laughs) Like the dog is using her paw to like push things around. And that was funny. Um, But yes, he's giving her a bath and his alarm goes off. And we get his first flashback back to when... The fall of New York, I guess, was just beginning. He is loading up his family. The military is with him, and he's telling his family they're about to seal off the island. One of the things about that is, uh, you know, they're not telling anyone else, and I thought that was shitty. There's people, when he's gathering his family, there's people casually walking on the side of the street. Granted, a radio broadcast comes up moments later as they're in the car, but it's just one of those things like, oh, the government gets the first... But do you know what I don't understand about that? They're saying that this virus is airborne, right? Mm -hmm. Why would they allow anybody off the island? It's just going to continue spread. So say that he gets his family off the island, which you kind of see what happens in a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's spreading to the rest of the country. Yeah. I mean, there's... It makes no sense. Yeah. And I don't know exactly how it went for the rest of the country. That comes up a little later. But they're not telling anyone early they're just rushing around he's getting his people also his actual daughter plays his daughter in the movie willow smith plays Mm. his daughter and she can't read a room for shit you can see your parents are upset and you're like look at this butterfly what about my present shut up do you see this do you it's christmas yeah do you see what's going on just hold your puppy and shh yeah and that too you have a puppy what else do you want you got a puppy you have a puppy he's a 
perfect. That she, puppy, actually, perfect. now I'm thinking about it, was probably for Christmas, but they couldn't leave that behind because they left the rest of her presents. Yeah. I mean, why else would she have a brand new puppy right there close to Christmas? I'd like a brand new puppy. Will you get me one? No. So, <laughs> he's in the car, and it cuts away from the flashback when somebody who's infected hits the window of their car. And we go back to him. He is uh, somewhere in here. You know, you see him locking down. He locks down his house every night. He's got metal grates on all the windows. And he's sleeping in the bathtub, which I thought was weird because why are you in the tub? You have it all locked down. And also he wakes up in bed. So like at some point he got up and went to bed. What are you doing? Like, why are you laying in the bathtub? But either way, you then see the next morning where he goes down to his lab and you see he has been working to try and get this cure. And On rats, which are plenty and fruitful in New York. I thought that too. At first I was like, well, why rats? Where are you getting them? And I was like, oh yeah, these. this is New York. You're just grabbing them. Yeah. from wherever so the thing about using the lab down there and like i was mentioning earlier about his isolation will smith to prepare for this role he spoke to prisoners about their isolation uh prisoners told him you have to have a routine and that very much shows in the character where he has this very particular routine that he does day in and day out and then he also spoke to members of the cdc on how to use lab equipment so that you know he didn't go down there and just like pick things up and he was like i'm doing science down here mm. Also, those rats, one of them almost broke out. I think you need better containment. They were smashing into the glass. The glass is cracking. I mean, I feel like that's an ode to the end of the movie. Yes, but you'd think he'd be more worried, but he's like tapping on the glass, whatever. He does see one of the rats is showing decreased aggression, and he's immediately ready to start human trials, which I think shows how desperate he is. He's not doing another test on more rats. This is showing some kind of progress. We're going to try it on a human. Well, what's crazy to me is that I know the Dark Seekers are still humans and he wants to save humanity, but do you really believe if that happened today, people would do that? Nah, they sure would. So I feel like it's another way to show how like human he is and like how it's humanizing and how he really wants to just find a cure to save people. He is, yeah, that is his ultimate goal. He's focused on it. He says it throughout the movie a few times about how this is his site. He can still fix this, and that'll keep coming up. Another thing that I saw when he was at his house, I believe, is there's a poster. He has a lot of, like, newspaper clippings, and you know what? It actually comes up later when he's in someone else's apartment. They have newspaper clippings and stuff up, and I'm like, why would everyone have this? Everyone in New York started saving these. Anyway, one of them says, infected dogs can come out at dusk, stay in the light. And it has a picture of an infected dog. And I think that that is kind of foreshadowing what's going to happen. Not to mention, the dogs are released, as you see later on, and the Dark Seekers won't come out yet. The dogs can go out when it's still a little light out. They're stronger, I guess, than the Dark Seekers. But he goes out to gather supplies, I guess. And I, I think that he's not doing a very good job of being thorough with his search. He's looking at like CDs and stuff, which yeah, you want that. As I mentioned, you need to act like you have normal life. Hearing music, I think, is going to help with that. And you do see as a large collection of CDs. But when he's searching this house, I just think you need to be searching everywhere. Like, under couches, anything that might help you survive, 
you need to be grabbing. And I feel like the way that he's searching right now, say that he was able to stay there another 10 years, you're gonna have to go through every house you've already been through again for the things that you probably missed because you're gonna need it. I mean, that's beside the point. My ideas on how he needs to be surviving. Um, he also goes to a video store. You see he continues to act as if he's renting videos. He has all these mannequins set up in there and he talks to them. Mm -hmm. It's creepy. It's yes. creepy, but again, it's again about pretending that this is normal. Yeah, I put he definitely had to have set that stuff up himself, which I think is creepy. But I mean, I understand what you're saying. But yeah, I think it just kind of shows how his mental health has been affected through all of this. And yeah. Also, at this point, I was wondering why he cannot be infected. Like, why is he immune? But they kind of just say some later people. on, some people were just immune. They're like billions of them then... Yeah. And then these people survive, but then they weren't immune, so blah, 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 like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so he's um, he's not worried about the air infection. I don't think he's actually worried about contact infection either, but I guess that comes up a little bit later. He is putting out a broadcast every day for people to meet him at the seaport if there's anyone. He is out there playing golf, sitting just around. He fishes, like, he does all kinds of stuff. I think that, I mean, again, to your point about his humanity, he's making sure if anybody is alive nearby that he says, you know, I can provide you food, I can provide you shelter. He's ready to take anyone in and take care of them, which also, I think he's begging for company. I think that he needs something, and he knows that. I think that isolation is killing him. On top of everything else that he has to survive, the isolation is just not healthy, and he knows that what he does with the mannequins is not normal. It's not like he's completely lost it, but it's happening. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that, too. Makes you kind of think of, like, in The Walking Dead when they had the people do the broadcasting and Eugene was, like, talking to them, like, just looking for somebody. So when they are up on top of this jet and he's playing golf, Sam and Robert spot a deer and he goes to hunt it, which makes sense. Even though he's got a lot of food, you don't know how much of certain foods he has and you would want any opportunity to hunt fresh meat like that. So they go to hunt the deer and Sam runs after the deer in this dark building and I thought it was pretty emotional that as dark as it is in there he knows it's dangerous he didn't really question it he ran in after Sam he's trying to get Sam you know it's actually like the way that it is shot I think is super terrifying there's very little light from his flashlight on his gun he's continuing to cover it to try and make sure he's not going to accidentally bump into a dark seeker and not to mention we're 30 minutes into this movie at this point and we have not seen the dark seekers we don't know what he's afraid of if you've not seen this movie yet you're 30 minutes of just seeing this guy survive wondering what it is that he's so afraid of and i think that made this scene terrifying i mean it's an edge of your seat kind of scene where you yeah. want him to find the dog you don't know what's going on. Why is he so worried? And then he does see a bunch of them just gathered in a room. I guess they can't do anything when it's dark out. So they're just standing in this room panting. That was terrifying. It looked like something out of Silent Hill. Yeah. The CGI on them makes them look a little weird like that, which I guess is kind of part of it. He sees go. Sam underneath a desk and he goes to escape, but he kicks something. Something makes a noise. No, he hears one of them eating the deer and he turns to that one it sees him and they go running at him and he just goes full sprint out of there calls for sam sam goes running sam's able to get out of a hole but he just busts through a window he's like a couple stories up and they're burning out in the daylight so you first see that they 
can't take the daylight. That's why they stay in there. Um, him jumping out of the window is insane, but I guess that was his only option. It was that or he was going to die. Right. There was no way he was making that out of there. Um, and he's immune anyway, so them touching him's not going to hurt, but they'll rip him apart, eat yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, right. I think after that, do we get a flashback? Not quite yet. So after that, immediately after that, he sets up the trap to capture one of them because he knows they're in there. And he needs to do human trials, but I guess he doesn't always know where they are because they would move through the night and you can't just go into any building. And he clears buildings. You see that when he's going into that one apartment, he's ripping down curtains. So now you know they can't be in there. But there's buildings like that warehouse he was just in. There's no option. It's too big and there's not enough windows. So he sets up a trap. He puts his blood out there, breaks it, and one of the dark seekers goes, gets captured. And when that dark seeker is uh, captured, he meets like the alpha because the alpha comes out and screams at him and stays there and lets the light burn him for a second. First of all, I was like, well, that guy is specifically upset about this situation. Mm -hmm. Like, even from then, you can tell that this wasn't... He doesn't quite understand it. He mentions it later that he believes that they are getting dumber. He says, like, they're degrading. They've lost all humanity. Right. That's not what this is. It's kind of quite the opposite, that they have a relationship. They have an attachment of some sort, and he's upset that he took somebody so he brings this dark seeker back to his lab and he tries to give it the cure the compound whatever that he's created that worked on the rat and it it, it like kills it i didn't really quite get what happened there because it flatlined uh-huh. and then he brought it back and he was super upset you know he like slams his glove down he looks about ready to give up which you can imagine after three years of trying this and i don't know how many times he's had anything this close I don't know. but You can see where that would be super upsetting. They also mention he's like recording all of this. He calls it the Crippen or Crispin virus. Mm -hmm. And it's named after the doctor that created like early on in that news broadcast. It's like Dr. Alice Crippen or something. Um, So the virus is named after her, which I thought, what a legacy that she's left behind. I mean, yeah, it's her fault. Well, she was trying to do good. Yeah, maybe so. But that's when he mentions that he believes the vampire went into the, or the dark seeker went into the sun due to starvation or their brain decaying. And his behavior kind of reminded me of, again, bringing up The Walking Dead. You remember that first season, they go to the CDC and there's uh, Dr. Jenner there. He's the only one left still trying to work on a cure for the zombies. And he's recording himself and he's talking and he's kind of given up. One of the last videos he records, he's like, I'm just going to get drunk. And of course, he meets the survivors. All that goes down. He does give up. But it's the same thing. Like, you are the only one left. You have no colleagues you can bounce your ideas off of. You have no help. This is just you. And you feel very much the weight of the world on your shoulders. Like, if you don't fix this, it's over. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that for sure. So after that, we get our second flashback. And in that flashback... They are going across the bridge to get to a helicopter. They're scanning people. You see they have this scanner that scans their eyes to see if they're infected. His wife gets marked as infected and... Then he makes them scan her again, which I thought was kind of sad because she got the benefit of the doubt because he's a colonel or whatever. Yeah. Other people do not get that. Now, granted, you see people in the crowd, their eyeballs are bleeding. bleeding. Yes, that lady who's like, please take my baby, yes. take my baby, and they won't even take the child. Her, obviously, she's infected. But there was other people they showed that they scanned, and they were just like, get out, 
Yeah. Like, walk away. They do not get a second scan. And that's sad. Who knows how many people maybe could have lived. Which, maybe she was infected. Uh, unfortunately, later on, something happens to her, and so we'll never know. But he gets them to the helicopter. He's saying his goodbyes, and his daughter hands him the dog, says, Sam will keep you safe. It's kind of sad because... It's just an emotional scene altogether. He's saying goodbye to his family. He says two weeks, but he's very much aware that he doesn't know what's going to happen. I believe in the car ride over there, he says to her something like, if we find something in a week, two weeks, a month, he knows that this could be an indefinite amount of time that he's trying to cure everything. And on the note of his daughter giving him Sam, uh, Will Smith spent a lot of time with the dog whose real name was Abby, just trying to get to know her. They would go on what they called dates and just hang out the two of them to try and kind of learn each other so that they could act together. And Abby was actually a shelter animal that was trained super quickly within a matter of weeks to be an actor, basically. Aww. And Will Smith, at the end of the movie or the production, tried to adopt her. The trainer could not part with her, but he tried. And as far as what I looked into, she's still alive to this day. She's old of course but she's a very happy rich dog well she better be for the things they put her through am i right yes i don't know what other movies she did maybe well, she did a happy matter. movie it doesn't matter listen when a dog's in a movie it's never happy maybe she was dog in dog with channing tatum a little too old at that point Maybe. Maybe she was in one of those, like, kids' movies about dogs. Yeah, usually the dog dies. No. Hello, Marley and me. No. Definitely not. I just get salty about it, and I don't even want to speak about... Well, we haven't gotten there yet. Well, we're almost there. So, after that flashback, we've moved on to the next day. He's going out about his routine, and he sees a mannequin standing in front of a building that he didn't put there. What creeps me out is when that camera shot happens, I swore to God the mannequin was moving. I rewound it and was like, this mannequin is moving. And I was thinking, what is going on? It actually turns out the mannequin that he calls Fred it was replaced by an actor in that scene in order to have the mannequin move their head like just a little bit. They just do this ever so slight head movement. And it was done to mess with the audience's mind and... Actually, earlier in the video store, and when he goes back, some of the mannequins in there are played by people on purpose, and I think it kind of goes along with him losing it. You know, he might think he saw this mannequin move. You know that's not the case because it's a mannequin, but like me watching this movie and seeing that, I was losing it. I was like, that mannequin moved. Yeah. He's super, super mad about it. And like the way he reacts to it, he gets very emotional about it. I think he's mad because he's wondering, am I losing it? Like, have I seriously, is this it? Like, have I passed this breaking point? Did I move this mannequin or am I imagining this? Unfortunately, the mannequin was a trap set by the Dark Seekers, the very same kind of trap that he set for them, which again shows that they are intelligent. Yeah. Because yeah, they sure. were able to produce the exact same trap either based on their existing knowledge or just off of seeing what he did. And it captures him. When it pulls him, it smacks his head against the ground, so he passes out. When he wakes up, his watch is going off, telling him, I believe that he has two alarms on his watch. One tells him like the sun is starting to set. Yeah. And one is like you have to lock the doors. Like, this is it. And you can see earlier in the movie, he's looking at 
an almanac, I believe, to see when the sun is supposed to set and all of that. He wakes up, Sam is still there trying to get him down. He is able to cut himself down, but he falls and impales his own leg. And so he can't get away. He is scooting himself backwards towards his car. And the Alpha Darkseeker comes and releases the dogs to attack him. He has a fight with them. And I wondered, why didn't he grab his gun from the puddle that he was hanging over? He had his rifle when he went over there and he didn't grab it to scoot. I know you have to scoot away. I know the gun's probably heavy, but you know the situation you're in. You know it's dark. You should have grabbed it. Gets back to the car and has a pistol. It's not enough. The dogs are too much. He kills them, but by the time that he's killed them, they have fought with Sam and they've seemingly scratched and bit Sam. Sam is bleeding and he rushes Sam back to try the cure on Sam. He's down in the lab singing to Sam and Sam starts to turn. You can see he's looking at Sam's eyes. He's looking at Sam's teeth. The fur starts to come off of Sam. So he's going to look like, you know, one of the infected dogs. And Sam turns, you hear the dog become violent and try and attack him. And you mentioned to me that you were upset that he choked the dog. I don't think that he choked the dog because he wanted to or because anything else. I know you're upset. I'm not trying to defend the movie necessarily, but for everyone out there that's seen this and just couldn't handle that specific scene, I fully believe that him choking the dog was because he could not bear to look at Sam. If he had used a gun or a knife, you have to look. You could hurt yourself. You could shoot your own hand. Might as well die at that point. I don't even care. <laughs> I believe the entire time he's not looking down. He nearly could have died because he wasn't paying attention to how he was doing it if he was going to kill her correctly, but he couldn't bear it. You can see the emotion in his eyes. It's a terrible scene. It's his only friend. It's been his only friend for three years. Not to mention, this is all he has left of his family. And I mean, I did stop the movie at this point. I'm not sure I could handle... See I've never seen a movie in theaters where they had an emotional animal death. I believe the... Only two movies I've seen with emotional animal deaths were Marley and Me and this. Old Yeller. I never saw Old Yeller. Well. I avoided it because everybody fucking talks about it. It's like, when they kill the dog in Old Yeller, I was like, sounds like a good time. I'll pass. Yeah, no, um, Old Yeller. I'll just give you a slight rundown. This little boy gets Old Yeller, the dog. Anyways, the dog ends up saving the boy, but he got bit by like a wild animal and he ends up getting rabies. And the little boy has to shoot and kill his beloved pet. Any particular reason why an adult didn't handle this? No. I have, I'm sorry, I'm super quiet. I have nothing to say. I wrote in all capitals, dog death, enough said. It's terrible. Like, I, you know I can't handle it. Anytime I even think about a pet I've had, I start to cry. It is absolutely a breaking point for him as well. It's an a tipping point of the movie. He's reached the end. He can't take it anymore. All the stuff he already has to deal with, them taking away his friend, was enough. He goes for revenge and pretty much suicide. He knows this is going to be the end. Well, first, though, after he buries the dog, yeah. he goes back to the video store. I That's true. I skipped over he, that part. That's important. He does go back to the video store because he walks up to that mannequin when he's like, oh, I'll say hello to her tomorrow, like when they yes. were just joking around. And he said, I promised my friend that I would say hello to you today. I just want you to know that I was broken even more. And I think that, obviously, COVID times, right? I know you don't feel this 
back in 2007, but people probably relate to this more now than they ever did because people who truly followed the quarantine rules, truly followed them, probably felt this way if they didn't see people for, like, especially in larger cities, like, if they didn't see people for extended amounts of time, they probably felt themselves, like, going crazy or, like, you know, that's why you saw, like, pet adoptions go up a whole lot because people just needed somebody. On top of that, And he he doesn't have that anymore. When he says to the mannequin, he says, I promised my friend I would talk to you. And he says, please talk to me. It's Again, He's he needs somebody. He's begging for this companionship. He's just basically hoping that maybe he's wrong. And somehow this is a person. Somehow this is a real human being that's going to turn and talk to me. I can get some comfort. I have somebody else yeah. in this world. I have something. He has nothing. So he goes for revenge. He sets up a trap where he places a mannequin to look like it's him fishing. They sneak up on him pretty terrifying they're silent they are actually sneaking again showing their intelligence they're not blindly running they're slowly walking and then when they get close enough they begin sprinting turns out he's in a car behind them he screams die and just drives through them he's backing up he just keeps going through them over and over again and he crashes the car the car flips somehow he ends up upside down or yes. on his side the but... car flips and they are basically going to get him until a bright light flashes then we get the final flashback where you see that his family flew up in the helicopter and dark seekers were i mean new york was done immediately they were bringing down other helicopters they were grabbing onto them and his family's helicopter got hit and uh, you don't quite see it, but you know that's what happened because it cuts back after that. And I, I can't believe his family died. Yeah. Like, I thought they'd get away. The worst thing I thought could have happened was that maybe his wife was really infected and that they would leave and they'd have to deal with that away from him. No wonder he never left. No wonder it wasn't two weeks, I guess, because there was no reason. He had nothing to go to. And seemingly, the rest of the world failed anyway. He doesn't believe that there's anything else. He truly is under the impression he is the only one. But he meets Anna and Ethan. Anna saved him. He's driving. Well, he's like nearly passed out in the car with her. He says to her, you know, don't they don't know where I live. Don't drive back until day. It's Anna's fault. So he wakes up. Anna and Ethan are there. He doesn't seem to really remember what happened. And Anna is making breakfast. Uh, When he walks out, he sees Shrek is playing on the TV, which I'll come back to that in a minute. I just wanted to mention that. He goes in there to eat with them. He sits down. You can see he's very uncomfortable with other people, which, again, makes sense. He's been talking to a dog and mannequins and listening to the news only. He doesn't really know how to speak to other people. And uh, Anna says something about, you know, surviving. He gets mad and throws his plate and she's like, pulls out a gun. He says, I'm sorry, I was saving that bacon. And like, I don't think he was saving that bacon. It was just, it's such a weird, like... I think he said it because of Sam. Yes, he's he's got a lot of reasons to be upset, but it's just, it's comedic and... I mean, what I found comedic, what nobody else might find comedic, is she over there making eggs? Is she going to come over and make everyone a plate and leave some in the pan? I thought that too. We are literally (laughs) the end of the world. And there is extra bacon on the plate. They should be rationing. Mm -hmm. There's no leftovers. Exactly. You you should have made what you needed. We Uh don't have the resources to waste. Mm -hmm. She says, you know, these are powdered eggs. Like, well, fuck you then. You don't get it. Yeah, exactly. I've been surviving long ago, Anna. Yeah. And also, you know, 
Who asked you to just start making breakfast? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> she be having left. Like, are you going to eat the leftovers? No, you should be rationing how much you eat to last. But she's like, no, I'm going to make extra. So he walk. I mean, he leaves or they leave. And they separate from each other. He needs a minute. And when he goes back down, the kid's watching Shrek and it's at the beginning again. That fool started Shrek over. Yeah. There's got to be other movies. What are you just watching Shrek over and over I for? mean, listen, he starts <laughs> quoting the movie. They start looking at him like, what the heck? It's like, a little he's weird. weird. I mean, yeah, but he knows the entire movie. And then he goes, to try and like relate to the kid, yeah. he goes, I like Shrek. And in that moment, <laughs> first off, I laughed, but I was like, me too, man. It's one of the best animated movies of all time. Like, oh you gosh. can't even be mad at that. I know. Well, I mean, I got what he was trying to do. But yeah, they did look at him kind of weird. I'm like, look, you can see what he's trying to do. He's a human being. So she actually calls them dark seekers for the first time during that. I mean, up until that point, I don't know that he was really referring to them as anything, which, why are you calling them dark seekers? That's a long word versus vampire, infected, yeah. anything else. Either way, he starts to get to know Anna, at least in his eyes, I guess. You know, this is the first person and he's gonna do what he said. Keep them safe, provide them food, shelter. Um, At one point, he mentions, you know, something about his Bob Marley CD. And she's like, oh, Damien Marley. And she doesn't know who Bob Marley... Who the fuck does... You know Damien Marley, but you don't know Bob Especially Marley? Especially back in 2007. Come on, Like, she right? wasn't that young. What are you doing? She was not that young. Exactly. Yeah, I but agree. But she continues to suggest to him that there's a safe zone and he pretty much loses it which i get you you've been alone all this time you're not going to believe that there is any chance of anything like that and she says you know we're going to make it and he is yelling at her about everyone they know is dead there was only this many people that survived and it all depends on him basically saving the world at this point but she continues to insist you know she claims divine intervention is what led all of this to happen and you know he doesn't really see it but at that point they're out of time because yes anna seemed to have brought them back a little too early the dark seekers know where he is at this point i didn't understand like why the alpha dark seeker was so mad at him the entire time and then i re like i saw that dark seeker's body underneath like on the ice and i was like that must be like his lady because you could tell that it was a, a female mm -hmm. at that point they don't ever outright say that i'm just assuming so actually in the book that is uh, let me actually hold off on that I'll, I'll come back to that did you think that the alpha boss looked like a mix between the mummy and Sunny from iRobot. So definitely the way it would open its mouth, it was, it was you know, wider mummy. than normal, which looked like the mummy. And then, yeah, because their skin is so smooth, like iRobot's supposed to be like that, I actually wrote down that I thought the CGI didn't look great. Granted, it's 2007. I agree. But yeah. may maybe practical effects would have looked better. But originally they had planned to use makeup and prosthetics for the Dark Seekers, but the crew said that they looked like angry mimes. <laughs> so, which, if they're trying to give them this pale skin, I imagine they just painted on the white too thick, and then they were like, huh? And it just, you know, they were like, mm, it's creepy, but it's not what we're going for. It doesn't look like um, a vampire or anything like that. So... They're fighting off the Dark Seekers. You see, he kind of had a setup outside, which, like, blew up all these cars. They were all just rigged to explode. He had lights. It doesn't really stop them. There's too many of them, and they knock over the lights. You can see early on, they can stand in the light for a second. It's not like they disintegrate. So the lights didn't really work. And they get inside the house, and eventually Robert, Anna, and Ethan make their way down to his lab, 
where he has the female. They lock themselves into that chamber with the female and they see that his cure is working. Yeah. The female is changing back, but it's kind of too late. The Dark Seekers are all down there and they're trying to break through the glass. You see the glass splinter into a butterfly shape at the same time. And forgive me if I say something that you don't remember. It's possible I'm confusing it with the alternate ending because I did watch that, which I'll touch on in a second. He looks over at Anna and he sees that she has a butterfly tattoo and... Yeah. He says, you know, I'm going to go ahead and listen. He kind of, I guess, believes in the divine intervention and he gives Anna the cure, tells her to get inside this little safety hole, I guess, and they're not going to stop. So I need you to take this, get the cure to the right people. And he gets a grenade and he runs just into the glass at the same time as the alphas running into the glass. They collide and it explodes. The first thing I thought when I saw that is the absolute sight that Anna must have come out to. Yes. We're talking (laughs) chunks of people. She must have covered Ethan's eyes and been like, holy shit, do not look. You know, like, I get he had no choice, but Jesus. I know. Yeah, she's coming out to a bloodbath. It's going to be horrible in there. Like, I don't even know how she's going to find her way out. Anna and Ethan, you get like an epilogue where they did make it to this safe zone. You see them get invited in and uh, she says, you know, something about this was his legend or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, her uh, speech about him saving the world and stuff, way too cheesy for me. And especially when she said he was a legend or whatever she said, that lost points for the movie right there. (laughs) Absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. So let me bring up the alternate ending now, which is closer to the book in some ways, but also the book's ending. So in the alternate ending, he does not send Anna and Ethan into that hole. He says, I'm listening. I've got this figured out. He opens the glass and he slowly walks the female out there. They do not attack him. They all just let him go. He says to the alpha, I need to get a syringe. And he walks over to this drawer to get a syringe. As he's doing that, some of the other dark seekers start to crowd him and screech at him. They're going to eat him. And the alpha, like, gives this commanding yell. He doesn't say a word. He just kind of yells. But it's like, stop. And they all stop. They all back off. He gets this syringe. And I believe he takes some of her blood. Mm-hmm. Like, he still wants like he to make it cure. The, yeah. Yes. And he lets them go. And they let him go. They just wanted her. And so he lives. Oddly enough, and I don't know how they're going to convince people of this, the sequel that they're planning on doing, they're going with the alternate ending. They're not going with the one that was shown in theaters. They're depending on people to know the alternate ending. Now in the book, he realizes, which is again closer to this alternate ending, he realizes, and this goes along with the I Am Legend, they are not monsters. To to them, he is the monster. He is the legend to them. That's where he goes with the I am legend because all they know is there's this guy that has kidnapped them and attacks them. He's a monster to them. They're just living now. He is the minority because he's a human in this place and they are all vampires now. So it would be the same thing as if there was one vampire and all these humans and he finally puts that together in the end that he's the monster. That's where the I am legend comes from. He says it in the book in his own head. He says, I am legend, which comes off a little cheesy i guess still but it makes more sense in that context i believe overall for me i liked this movie i gave it a four out of five the only reason i took away points is honestly because i think the alternate ending should have been the way i think coming back around full circle to that humanity aspect where he is realizing these are not monsters these are not the monsters i've made them out to be 
because they can control their hunger. They can stop themselves. As I told you, they didn't attack him in that moment. They allowed him to live, and they allowed Anna and Ethan to live, and they could have killed them. But, again, it was just about, you took my... Wife. Yeah, wife. That's my wife. My wife. (laughs) You took (laughs) my wife, and I just want her back. Yeah. And I mean, I gave it a 3.2 out of 5, which I don't feel like is as low as, like, I was probably making it out to be. Yeah. Um, I really liked parts of the movie, but the other parts of it didn't make sense. Like, the end didn't make sense. I understand, like, you want to kill the dog, like, whatever. However, something I question about the dog is why didn't he just, like, save the dog like he did the other lady? Like, he did the other, like, he was developing a cure and testing it and she was still alive. Why didn't he just lock Sam in a cage? Because theoretically, he could have cured Sam. It was less than a day's time. Makes no sense to Ugh. me. Makes no sense. Whatever people want to say. <laughs> I thought the CGI late. was poor. <laughs> was it too late for her? She How it long was, she been a vampire? It was too... He, you can't pick up one of those dogs. They're too vicious. He trapped that one. It's not like he grabbed it. Yeah. I he feel couldn't like... hold Sam by the throat and put... He could have put Sam in there before Sam changed. Is all I'm saying. And listen... You don't... Shh, the thing is, is he tried. He gave it the cure, and I assume that was the same compound, but it didn't immediately work, so... And he assumed it didn't work on her. Yes, and but the thing is, is he assumed it didn't work on her. The missing piece was that he had to cool her body temperature down. So he would have had to put Sam on ice, which I understand Sam had to die, whatever. CGI was poor. <laughs> the cheesy ending, him blowing himself up, none of it made any sense. 3.2. Thank you. You're allowed your opinion. That's my opinion! This is going to be Guess the Vampire movie based on the review. Oh, okay, okay. Look, to be honest... Did you throw the Joker in there? No. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I'm not Mr. Sunday Movies. <laughs> There's six reviews, six options. I only used each one once. Did you throw the Joker in there? No, I didn't use it. You can see your options right there. Oh, he pinky promised everyone. I'd like that on the record. Now, you have seen all but one of these movies that are on the list. The options are Let Me In. You've seen that. Oh, I did see Daybreakers. Yes. Yes. Dark Um, Shadows, Morbius. Morbius, you've not seen. I Am Legend, Daybreakers, and Twilight. Okay, okay. Now, to be honest, I feel this is going to be super easy. But some of these reviews were too good to not read out. Oh, okay. Okay. So am I guessing and you're going to say correct after each one or am I guessing and you're going to be I'm going to say correct after you. I'll give you yes or no after each one. Okay. Okay. So number one, a deeply sincere, outright, goofy vampire romance for the hot not to trot abstinence set. You threw me (laughs) off because you called out Twilight. It's Twilight. Okay. I should have, you know, I should have put in more that you hadn't seen in there. I should have threw fucking Renfield in there. Oh, you should have. Okay, two. Con. Vampires are destroying the economy. Pro. They're all baddies. Is that Daybreakers? Yes. Okay. Three. The population dropped to 12 million people due to the virus, and people still watch Shrek. Iconic. That's what I said, is it not? Absolutely iconic. One of the best movies of all time. I am legend. Okay. Four. Oh my God, I morbed. I don't even want to say it. Say That's it. disgusting. Morbius. Okay. Five. 
Too much sex. Dark shadows. <laughs> they do have a lot of sex in that movie. Six. <sighs> Bitch, let me out. Let me in. Oh, come on. You only had one. You waited. You paused like there I was some pause. big sequel. I know. All right. You win. Yay. <laughs> Look, like I said, it was going to be easy, but come on. Those were gold reviews. I, I'm i trying to. Can I see? You can't read my sequel idea. Oh, no, I'm not. I don't care about that. Mine's better. Oh, my God. Um, I think my favorite is con vampires destroying the economy. <laughs> Pro, they're all baddies. Yes. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Oh, my gosh. All right. I mean, should we do sequels? Yeah. All right, Do you well, want to go first, or since mine was better no, last week? You go first every time, you know? <gasps> All right, so I think this movie needs to be rebooted. Oh. I Or remade, whatever you want to say. I think that it should be a little bit closer to the book. Granite, please don't come after me, people. I just read, like, very Cliff Notes version of the book. I have not read the book. I'm not a strong reader. <laughs> He's laughing because that is so true. Um, however, I do think being made now the cgi would be better and mm -hmm. it wouldn't seem so cheesy i don't mind that there wasn't a backstory to like the vampires but anyways different actors obviously and a better organized story chris rock as the lead oh my gosh <laughs> listen you know, he'd be like what's with all these vampires in new york you know <laughs> dark seekers Oh, my God. Um, anyways, so I think I would change a few things. First of all, I think the flashbacks are amazing. I would keep those. Obviously, with the way that my story is going to go, you could imagine the flashbacks would be different. But I think that the flashbacks are key. However, I think when his wife... I'm just going to kind of tell you the changes. Yeah. Right? Okay. When his wife and him, like, they're getting them off the island and she tests where they're not going to let her off because she's infected. And they test her again and test her again. I think she should test again. And she's not able to leave. Mm -hmm. So they have to make the decision, do we send our daughter and save her, or do we keep her? They're going to send her. Yeah. So the daughter is going to be sent away. First, I think that should be, you know, forcing them to only send their daughter. So all over this time, his wife is going to be slowly transforming into... A dark seeker. A dark seeker. I don't think it should take the full three years. Like, I don't think it should take that long, like... Maybe, like, a couple months down the road. Like, he's like, oh, she's fine, she's fine, blah, blah, blah. She's helping him. You know, they're raising the puppy, whatever. If you want Sam in it, great. I mean, Sam doesn't necessarily have to be there. Sam can be with the daughter. doesn't matter. However, I think that she should slowly, like, start bleeding from the eyes. He's getting desperate. And I think flashbacks at this point in her last moment should be from her point of view. Mm. So, um, eventually, she's not going... She's obviously going to turn into one of them, but he has spent all this time building, like, a cell to keep her locked away in hopes of finding a cure. However, you did mention that some people were too far gone. Yeah. They were unable to be cured. Keep that in mind. So, like, if you keep with the alpha male, like, he's going to test. The alpha male's still going to try and attack, blah, blah, blah. So... He does realize, I want to keep that to the book, where he realizes that the alpha male was only attacking because he took, like, he is, like, the monster, right? Mm -hmm. And notices, like, he's just trying to save his woman. They have respect. He draws the care. He realizes, you know, like, this is helping her. She's getting better. However, when he does try and think about saving his wife, he does notice some differences. And she's 
she's too far gone to be saved. And so he has to decide whether he's going to just release her and let her be or if he's going to kill her. And I personally think that should end on a cliffhanger and the viewer should decide what he did. Leaving the possibility for a sequel. Yeah. Like, whatever. Viewers can decide what they want. Kind of like Inception, you know, the twisty tabletop. Like, was it faltering? Was it not? Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of a thing. And he is going to eventually meet his daughter as a grown child. But, yeah, that's my idea. Okay. Well, they are working on a sequel that is going to see Will Smith return alongside Michael B. Jordan. Like I said, they're using the alternate ending, so he is alive. There's been no word on if Alice Braga or Charlie Tahan, Tahan, if either of them will return. I could see where they might not, but either way, they are working on it. Nobody knows who Michael B. Jordan's playing, what exactly that's going to look like. Or where the movie is going to go. They do have the original script writers back. So I'm interested to see that. But I went with a direct sequel. I Am Legend 2, Butterfly Cure. No? (laughs) I wish people could see my face right now. Well, people can't. We're not doing video. You know, I can explain what my face just was. No. <laughs> Anybody know that meme with that little blonde girl sticking her front teeth out? Just when they tell like, her they're going to Disney? And she's just like, yeah, that's exactly what I just looked like. <sighs> I am legend too. Butterfly here. Anna and Ethan are settling into the safe zone. I'm, I went with the original and the, the one that was played in theaters for millions. I did not go with the ending that some people looked at okay. on the DVD copy. Uh, Okay. Anna and Ethan are settling into the safe zone when they are finally, or excuse me, when they finally get a chance to explain to the leadership what happened in New York City. They have a few scientists there in the safe zone, but they don't have anybody uh, matching Robert's expertise. You know, you see on that Time magazine, he's a virologist or something like that. Like, it does seem like this is kind of his area. And they need more information if they could hope to utilize a cure based on just the single vial that they have. You know, they can't mess it up. They only have that single vial. So a small group is formed for Anna to guide back in to New York City into Neville's safe house to see if there's anything left they can use. You know, any files, computers, anything like that where they can get a little more of his research, his recordings, whatever. They know it's a suicide mission, but they don't really have a choice. They're still stuck with nothing. They don't really know what to do with the vial. Um, They're worried that they're going to mess it up, and they only have the one shot. So upon arriving back in New York City, things go wrong as the Dark Seekers attack them. Finally, a Dark Seeker goes to speak with Anna. So I do want to give them the ability to speak, which I mentioned to you in the book. They can speak. And this Dark Seeker realizes that Anna was there during the attack on Robert's house. So... The group learns that Robert had missed the Dark Seekers are, you know, not becoming less human because, you know, he thought they were decaying. That's why they did that. They realized the Dark Seekers are becoming more human. They can talk now. They're forming new structure, new society, that kind of thing, because this is just how life is going to continue for them. They know they've changed. They don't know a way back but they're not just going to stop living. So they explain how they see the humans as monsters now. The Dark Seekers are telling Anna, you know, we didn't want this to happen. We just have seen that Robert was kidnapping us as far as we were concerned. They basically go that whole angle of explaining how Robert was this monster to them. And that's the only reason all of this happened. 
that's why they attacked them when they arrived back in New York, because they just saw more of the same. They were going to be attacked by these people. So Anna has to negotiate peace between them and some of the more volatile members of her group who are just like, these are monsters. We just need to put them down. We're not here for this. We need to get this information and leave. Um, ultimately, I think the humans would betray the Dark Seekers and try and just take them out instead of trying to make peace. I'm thinking sort of sort of what we saw in maybe Planet one of the, the Planet Apes. of the Apes I movies. I was literally thinking that is so Planet of the Apes and the Alpha yeah. Dark Seeker is Caesar. Yes. <laughs> um, Golly, I'm good. So they, you know, they claim that they can't be cured. There's no reason to do this. We're going to kill them. Eventually... You know, basically the humans are all killed with the exception of Anna. And Anna is guided by the Dark Seekers to peacefully search Robert's safe house and head back to the safe zone with the promise that she's going to return to them with the cure. And so, you know, I kind of brought it back to New York City. You can get a lot of the same fear. You kind of lose out on the solo survivor mentality, but you get now... A perspective from the Dark Seekers that maybe you didn't get before. Yeah, I like it. Not as much as mine, but I like it. Yours doesn't even have a title. It's just called I Am Legend. It's because it's like a direct oh, yeah. remake. Oh, it's yeah. not a You're right. sequel. You're right. <laughs> okay. Remember? Yes. What do you say in the beginning? Sequels, prequels, reboots, and remakes? Yeah. Get out of here. It's a remake. Or that... a reboot. Whatever you want to do. Whatever, whichever. Yeah, I mean, obviously mine, because that's the better option. That's what they're going with <sighs> no, in real life. No. Uh, so thank you for Oh, making... so you cheated. This is what they're going no, with in No, not life. that. Oh, they, they have not I released a script. If this is the script that they're doing. Okay. Did you hear Michael B. Jordan in my script at all? I was just saying you said you went with what they're no. doing, so. They're going with the alternate ending. Get out of here. All right. Thank you for making it this far. We hope you enjoyed. Maybe even enough to share a show with someone. Leave us a review. And come back for more next week. If you'd like to vote on whose sequel idea was the best, come by our YouTube channel for the polls, or let us know your idea with a comment, tweet, or you can reach us at needlesssequel at gmail.com. Uh, links, as always, will be wherever you are listening. All right, be easy, everyone. We will see you next week. Okay, bye.